Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Yesterday was an interesting day for me. Uh, got up yesterday, and John Ratliff talked me into a four-mile run. And, uh, and so I ran four miles, and then I was met right after the four-mile run with the stomach bug. Uh, and so I spent the whole day, you know, I won't go into detail, uh, but in the bed. And so I didn't even know if I would be able to preach. I sent the notes um, to and gave my notes to my wife and also to Pastor Jeremy just in case. Um, but if I pass out or fall over, I'm not in the spirit. Help me. All right. Just come and get me and, you know, hook me up to an IV, whatever you can do. But, uh, I really feel that, uh, and my whole family's just kind of been under attack. Like Eli's been diagnosed with flu B and Everly's running a fever. It feels like our whole family has been under attack this week. Um, and we know that it's a spiritual battle that we're in. And I think some of it has to do with the series that we're launching today called Unveiled. That's what I want to talk to you about because today we're going to deal, for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about worship. And what we have to understand about worship is worship is a weapon. Worship is a spiritual weapon that God has given to us. And what we have to understand about as we move into the next phase of our vision of what we feel God has called us to do here at Bethesda Church, we have to understand that winning the battle in the spiritual realm is more important than winning the battle in the physical and, and so many times we're missing that, that realm, that spiritual realm where the victory is really won in that realm. And one of the, the keys is worship. The truth is, is that we are all worshiping something. And I, I want to clarify that statement by saying, if you're a Christian, obviously you should be worshiping God and we should come and lift our songs and our hands to Him and, and all those things. But if you're not a Christian, you're still worshiping something. Because worship is simply a means of expressing love. And we all have things in our life that we like, things that we love, and we give our time, our money, our loyalty, our calendar to it because we love those things. And I don't want to make anybody nervous. God's not against you having those things and giving some time and energy and your calendar to certain things. But how many know at the end of the day, God wants to make sure that we love Him more than all the other stuff? And so that, that's why the greatest command is to, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? That, that's the first priority. And so God wants to be number one. And worship is a controversial issue, especially in church circles. How many more churches have divided over worship than almost any other thing? Like Cain and Cain killed his brother over worship, Right? They both brought an offering of worship, and, and God respected Abel's, but he didn't Cain's, and Cain slew his brother, and it was all over worship. And so worship is a controversial topic, but it shouldn't be. And the reason it shouldn't be is because the Scriptures are clear as it relates to worship, what true worship looks like. And, and I believe that the biggest problem we have is that we have the wrong definition of worship. Some of us, when we think about worship, we think about songs. We think about style. Is it traditional? Is it contemporary? Is it upbeat or is it slow? Is it 
choir robes? Is it stained glass windows? We, we have all these pictures and images of what we think worship is, but I want to be very clear this morning. Worship is our response to that which we love. That's what worship is. It's our response to that which we love. So we love God, and God wants that love to be expressed. Like, you can't stay married just by telling your wife you love her. How many of you understand that's only going to go so far if you don't actually express your love and show your love? And so we express our love for God through worship. And I believe that by the end of this series, you're going to feel closer to God and that we as a corporate body, we're going to go deeper in our worship. Anybody want to go deeper in worship? I I believe as we approach Easter, as we approach the next phase of our vision here at Bethesda, we need to go deeper in our worship. And so I want to start off, um, let let me clarify something else, because today is going to be theological, all right? It's going to be a little teachy, uh, because worship is, um, you know, the theological side, it's, it's at the deep end of the pool, all right? So we're going to dive into the deep end, is that all right? Two of you, ready to go. All right, the rest of you will catch up. But, but let, let's go a little deep today, and I want to start off by asking a question. Who was the first worshiper? Who was the first worshiper? And this is important. The reason it's important to ask that question is because anytime you want to find the purest teaching of something, you have to go backward. You go back to the first time that that thing that you're looking into is mentioned. In seminary and also in theological circles, it's called the law of first mention. Everybody say first mention, all right? It's called the law of first mention. And when you go back and you find the first time something is mentioned, that that gives an indication as to what that means. Now, who was the first worshiper is not a trick question. You guys know the answer. The answer is Lucifer, who is also known as Satan, right? He was a worship leader in heaven. Now, we have to stop here, though, and clarify some things that are really important. One being that there are three angels that are named in Scripture that have significant meaning. All right? The first angel that that, that I want to deal with is Michael. Everybody say Michael. Everything connected to Michael, the, the archangel, is related to prayer. When you see Michael, you see someone responding to the people's prayers. In Scripture, he's associated with prayer. And when we pray, what we have to understand, when we pray, when you pray, angels are released. That the moment you pray, you have, you have, you have released a heavenly spiritual warfare. That the moment you pray, Daniel prayed and fasted 21 days. Michael showed up on the 21st day, right? Michael the archangel. What did Michael say? Daniel, I heard you on day one, but on the moment I was released to respond to your prayer, I encountered spiritual warfare. Michael is always associated with prayer. Secondly, you have Gabriel, and Gabriel is always a picture 
of the word. When you see Gabriel, he's delivering messages. Like to Mary, to a young teenage girl. He shows up and says, that which is in you is holy. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. He was delivering the word. Mary, Mary responded to the word by saying, be it unto me according to your word. And so you got prayer, you got word, and then you got Lucifer, and he's a picture of worship. Now, let's slow down, hit your neighbor and say, hang in there. The reason this is so interesting is because all of heaven is represented by these three things. All of heaven is represented by prayer, by the word, and by worship. Michael, representing prayer. Gabriel, representing the word. Lucifer, representing worship. Heaven, in heaven, there's prayer, there's word, there's worship. How many know in the local church there should be prayer, there should be word, and there should be worship? In your individual life, you need to have prayer, you need to have the word, and you need to have worship. Matter of fact, if you are just beginning your relationship with God and you're just starting, I would encourage you to spend five minutes in prayer every day, five minutes in the word every day, and five minutes in worship every day. How many know that would lead to a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ? By getting the prayers, by, by getting the word, and by worshiping. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to go to two places that talk about the first worshiper, Satan. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. And we're going to look at Satan, and, and in this text that we're about to read, in Isaiah 14, the text is directed towards the king of Babylon. So if, you're, if, you're, if you've not studied the background and, and some of the other things in Scripture, you might miss who God is really speaking to here because oftentimes God would refer to a person, but he would deal with the spirit behind the person. For instance, when Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, he looked at Peter and he said, Satan, get behind me. How many know he wasn't calling Peter the devil? He was speaking to the spirit that was influencing Peter in that moment. Okay, he was, re he was dealing with Peter, but also he was directing that towards the spirit that was influencing Peter. So God is speaking here through Isaiah. It looks like to the king of Babylon, but it's much deeper than that. He's speaking about Satan. And here's what it says. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, here's what Satan said. And I want you to notice all the words that, that look like he's elevating himself. It says this, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly. On the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds, and I will make myself like the Most High. So here is Satan's words as the worship leader in heaven, that he comes to a place where he resents the fact that God is getting all the attention and God is getting all the worship. And he resents that fact so much so that he starts to say, I will ascend, I will exalt myself above the throne of God. And that's what we got to understand this morning, that Satan wants to do anything in his power to get the attention off of God 
and on anything else. That's what Satan's agenda is. He does not want you to put your attention, your affection, and your worship on God. See, that, that's his goal. And many people, this is sad, but it's true, many people inadvertently give Satan the worship because they are taking the attention off of God. See, this, this is what's wrong with a lot of churches. Because we come to church and during worship, I, I, I may be sick, but I feel like preaching today. I'm, I'm going to get into this thing. We come to church and we think that, that it's about the song I want to sing. The style that I want. Well, I hope that Bethesda's worship team, I hope they don't do that song again. Listen, it sounds funny, but do you know what we've done? We've taken the attention and the worship off of God, and we've made our likes, our dislikes, and our preferences more than our worship to God. And we have become a tool that the enemy is using to take the attention off of God and place it on ourselves. When our preferences and our likes and our dislikes become more important than our worship to God, we are being utilized by Satan. What did Satan do when he encountered Jesus? He said, Jesus, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you the earth. Bow down and worship me, and I will give you all. Listen, guys, worship is important. We're not just singing some songs when we come. And I, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. It don't matter if it's country, jazz, hip-hop, rap. You, When you come, you should say, it ain't about what I want today. It's about making sure that when I leave here, my God has been lifted up, that Jesus has been exalted. doesn't matter what the song is. doesn't matter you know, if we, what style it is. doesn't matter if it's traditional or contemporary. Whatever that the team chooses to do, it doesn't matter. I've come to lift up the name of Jesus. Because any other attitude, we've made our likes and dislikes and preferences more important than worshiping God. Luke 14 and 11, this is very interesting. He says, your pomp is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your stringed instruments. Again, this is referring to Satan. Now, you, you might look at that and say, well, does Satan have a harp? No, he doesn't have a harp. He is a stringed instrument. Satan was a stringed instrument, Okay. The, the stringed instrument was part of who he was. And we're going to come back to this, all right, because there's more to it. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 28 first. Look, look at what it says about him. It says, you are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you. That's, that's also important. We're going to come back to every precious stone adorns Satan. And it lists all the stones. And then it says, your settings and mountings were made of gold. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. Now, I want us to stop here and, and look at that. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. Because I think we miss what, what God is saying here. In the King James Version, it says that the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. Everybody, everyone say timbrels. Everybody say pipes. Okay, the workmanship 
of your timbrels and your pipes. We already clarified Isaiah 14 that he had built into him a stringed instrument, but he also had timbrels, which timbrels is simply cymbals, things you hit, all right, a drum, percussion, and pipes, stuff you blow in, all right? Now, let's go a little bit deeper. When you look at music, all instruments fall into one of three categories. Stringed instruments, which are things that are plucked, guitars, piano, those are stringed instruments. Then you have the percussion instruments, and then thirdly, you have the percussion, not the percussion, but the wind, things that you blow in. Now, Satan possessed all three categories of music in his person. Is everybody following? They were built into him. Your settings and mountings were made of gold, and he says, on the day you were created, they were prepared, and then he says, you were anointed. Everybody say anointed. So he's got all three categories of instrument built into him, and God says, you were anointed. Now, what we have to understand about anointing, anointing is not something that's just pleasant to the ear. When we're talking about anointing, we're talking about something that shifts things, that changes things. Scripture says that the anointing destroys the yoke and it removes the burden. In other words, when Satan did his thing, stuff happened. You were anointed to do this. Now, and the reason being, guys, and you guys know this, music is powerful. Music is powerful. It can shape culture. What you listen to can shape you. What you allow into you can determine what what God or what the enemy is doing in your life. So God put anointing and he put power on music. And we know that cultures have been shaped by music. And Satan is still anointed in the area of music. But what we have to understand about that anointing, how many of you know it's not a positive thing now? He uses it in a very negative way. What I would call a demonic anointing to bring oppression on people. Now, I know this is deep, and some of you are like, oh my goodness, what church did I come to today? All right, follow me. We're going somewhere very important. I think what we're missing a lot of times in church is discernment. And what I mean by discernment is most people can't determine if something sounds good, you know, it's a talent thing, or if it's an anointing thing. Because we think, well, man, they sing so beautifully. When they sing, I got the hairs on my neck stand up. That doesn't mean it's anointed. You can go to an Adele concert, and I promise you that girl can sing, and the hair will stand up all over your body. That's not about sounding good or just being pleasing to the ear. The anointing destroys yokes, removes burdens, brings you in to the presence of God. And so he said, you are anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You are on the holy mount of God, You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So here's what Satan did. He took what belonged to God for himself. He took what belonged to God for himself. And that's why we have to be careful that we never make worship about us. We can never make it about what we want. 
The songs we want to sing, the style we want to do, it's not about those things. So it continued. He said, so I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. He's speaking to, about Satan. He's, he, he's saying here, in a nutshell, he's saying, because you thought you were so awesome, you thought you were so beautiful, and you wanted to take that which belonged to me, and you were so talented, God said, I brought you down. Now, this is powerful because Jesus talks about this in the New Testament. The disciples came and they said to Jesus, Master, the demons are obeying us. Like, we have power and authority over the demons. And Jesus is like, yeah, I saw it. I was there when my daddy expelled him. Luke chapter 10, verse 18, he says, I saw Satan, this is Jesus, fall like lightning from heaven. I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, guys, it wasn't a fight. This, this was like lightning. Like this was not two big superpowers going back and forth. This was the moment God decided, I've had enough of your arrogance and your pride. He fell like lightning. Like the blink of an eye, God said, you're done. Like it's not even on the same playing field. So it's not like these, these two good and evil going back and forth and all that. No, God said, when I'm done with you, I expelled you and you fell like lightning. Now, now, there's a position to be filled. Who is God's new worship leader? It's not a trick question. It's you. It's me. Andre said it earlier. If we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. That we are the new worship leader. There is a vacancy, and so we either going to give God praise or the rocks will. Now, Everything Lucifer had, the reason I went through the three categories of instrument is because everything he had, we now have. Yeah, 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 I came ready to go. That's why I got up on, out of a sick bed this morning because we're going to go deeper in worship. God has, God has given you in your throat our two little strings called vocal cords. That's our stringed instrument. God has given you lungs. It's his breath in our lungs, right? He has given you lungs. That, that is, that is the, the, the things you blow in, right? But, but what about percussion, pastor? What, what about, I'll tell you, I got two hands. God has given me all three categories, so when I come into his presence, I'm not going to wait on them to sing the song I want to hear and the style I want to hear it. God has given me some things. I'm going to lift my voice like a trumpet. I'm going to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I'm going to clap my hands, and I'm going to declare that it's his breath in my lungs, so I'm going to give him some praise today. You have everything Satan forfeited. You now have. I'm sorry I'm screaming today, but I'll be, I'll be calm next week. So I'm going to give you three keys real quick, if I have time, that we need to know. Number one, God made me, God made you from him. How many of God made us? And this is, this is very important to understand because in the beginning, God did, he created some things. Everybody say created. All right, he created some things, but he also 
made some things. And there's a difference between creation and made. When you create something, you, you do it out of nothing. Like there's nothing there and you, bam. How many know God's the only one who got power to do that? He created some stuff. Like out of nothing, there it is. He created it. But he also made some things. And when you make something, you, you take from something that's already there and you make it into something else. And, and it's like, here's the clay, make a vase. Does that make sense? You make some. Created versus made. Now, he didn't say, God didn't say, let there be trees. God said, he told the earth, I want you to produce the trees. Look at Genesis 1 and 11. God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land. God did that. He made something out of something. And part of what God wants to happen when he makes something out of something is that those two items remain close. Like trees have to have dirt, right? They need to remain close if the tree is going to live. When God created Eve, what did he do? He took a rib out of Adam. Why? Because he wanted Adam and Eve to remain close. So did God create us or make us? He made us. Scripture says that he formed us out of the dust of the earth. Here's the deal. We came from God. We are sustained by God. And our spirit will return to God. What's your point, pastor? We better stay close to God because the moment we get disconnected from God, in that moment, we're dead. In that moment, we're, we're dead. There's, there's no reason to go on. Like, that, that's what makes us alive. So God made us from himself. Secondly, he made me to be with him. So this is not just like one day I prayed a prayer. One day, I, you know, I asked Jesus into my heart. No, God wants intimacy with you. He wants intimacy with me. How I many of this isn't religion? Religion's for the birds. Religion is your attempt to get to God. This is, this is, we couldn't get to God, so Jesus came to us. That's what the gospel is. We couldn't do it. There, I don't care how many good things you've done. That doesn't earn your way in. This whole thing is built on a relationship. And the scary thing is, is that in Matthew's gospel, chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, it says this. It says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out the demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now this is crazy because he's saying there are people that are using my name to do great things, but they're not intimate with me. Jesus is saying, we were never close. We were never tight. We were, you, you, yeah, you called on me here and there. And so, so many people have a, what I call a formal relationship with God. Like where they come on Sunday, they sing a couple of songs, hear a teaching, and that's it. I mean, that's not, that's not where we should be living. God wants a daily relationship with you. A daily relationship with me. He, he made us to, to be intimate with him. And he gives us a great example in what we would call the marriage chapter of the Bible. Ephesians 5, 31 through 32. It says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. And here's where it gets cool. He said, this is a profound mystery. Because he's not talking about the husband and the wife. He's talking about Christ and the church. That when you look at, y'all remember your honeymoon? 
this working? God says, when you look at that honeymoon couple, they're in love. There's nothing they won't do for one another. They can't wait. Y'all, did y'all do that thing where you stayed on the phone all night? I can remember having conversations with Karen where I thought, my ear is damaged. <laughs> I've laid on this phone so long. But you're so passionate about that relationship, and you can't wait to be in their presence. God says, that's what I want. I want people that can't wait to be in my presence. People that can't wait to lift their hands. People that can't wait to sing. And it's not about a style or a preference. It's about connecting with God in an intimate way. And what we have to understand, so many people, God never intended for us to sing a couple of songs and hear a sermon and that's it. God wants a relationship. And when all this ends one day, and it will end one day, and, and we'll, we'll be spending eternity with God, what we need to know, our, many of us, our view of heaven is distorted. And what I mean by that, some of us think, well, when we get to heaven, all we're going to do is bow for 10,000 years in worship. That's all we're going to do is bow in worship. Or we, or, we, or we think I'm going to join the heavenly choir or look like a fat baby with wings or... We got all these distorted views of what heaven is going to look like. You need to understand that God is receiving praise 24-7 whether you and I are doing it or not. There are angels in heaven right now worshiping at his throne day and night. There's one angel that never stops saying holy, 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 all day long. So whether we worship him or not, God is being lifted up. And when we get to heaven, guys, it's not just that we're going to worship. Obviously, we're going to do that. But we're also going to walk down the aisle with Jesus, that we are the bride of Christ. There's going to be a wedding ceremony, and then there's going to be a party, right? A party. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to eat, and we're going to laugh, and they're going to have some of them little sausages I like, right? Like them little things. I'm going to eat some. I'm, I'm putting that on my menu right now. I'm ordering that up. And the reason I want you to get that is because the reason we are walking down the aisle and being joined with him and there's a marriage supper of the Lamb is because it's supposed to be an intimate thing. Not just 24-7 of you bowing. He wants to know you. He wants to share what he has with you. And, and Revelation 21, 9 and 10 says, One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and they said to me, come and I'm going to show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. All the men just went, oh no. You read it right, brother. You a wife. You the bride of Christ. <laughs> I'm having way too much fun today. You're a wife, right? That's what he's saying. He says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down from the heaven, from, from out of heaven from God. We'll get it. There we go. So I know all the men are struggling because Scripture says we're the bride. But here's what's going on. God is bringing his bride, Jesus is bringing his bride home to the place that he has prepared for her. And, and he's showing her all this cool stuff. And in Revelation 21, 19, it says this, and this, this will jar your memory from earlier. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind 
of precious stone. You remember Lucifer? Adorned with what? Precious stones. Everything he forfeited, guess what? Christ has adorned us with. He said the first foundation was Jasper, and he begins to name all those things. And we look at that. Why would God adorn us with all these jewels? It's just like we guys. When we want to get married, what do we do? We buy a ring. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, put a ring on it. I was in college, didn't have no money, and you know what I did? I charged an expensive ring because I wasn't about to let this woman get away from me. She is tied to me, right? I'm going I'm to spend money I don't even have to adorn her with jewels. Why? Because I'm in love with her, and God is so in love with you that he's going to lavish you with some precious stones just to let you know that he loves you that much. How many of we serve a good, good father? We serve an awesome, awesome God. So God made me from him. He made me to be with him. And finally, as the worship team comes, he made me to express love to him. Love has to be expressed. I know we got guys that say, well, I told her on my wedding day I loved her. I don't need to tell her again. If that changes, I'll let her know. (laughs) Man, you're in a messed up relationship. You You need to do more than that. You need to express your love. All God wants back from us, how many know he's done everything? All he wants back is for us to love him. That's all he's looking for, is that we love him back. John chapter 4, verse 23. You guys know this verse. How many of you have read this verse before? Come on, raise your hand if you have. How many quoted this one? Right? John 4 and 23, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Now this is a very powerful scripture because we understand God is looking for worship. He's looking for worshipers. The Greek language, though, of the word worship isn't what we think it is. The translators didn't know what to do with this word. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the word. The Greek word for worship is proskuneo. All right? You don't have to tell your neighbor proskuneo. But the Greek word is proskuneo, and it means something that, that let, me, let me say it like this first. This word is a verb, which means you got to be active about it. It's not something I ponder, think about, internalize. It's something I do. Now, the meaning of this word, guys, if you didn't like that you're a wife, you're really not going to like the meaning of this word. Anybody ready to hear it? This word, worship, in the Greek language means to kiss. That's that's what I thought the reaction would be. So God is looking for worship. He's looking for someone that would kiss him. But but it's not like you think. We think of lovers kissing, that kind of kiss. But it's not the the, the word is, is a word that comes from the idea of a dog licking his master's hand. Now, that don't make sense unless you've had a dog you love before. Think about this. I had an English bulldog for 12 years. His name was Bubba. He was a real dog. All right? A real dog. You'd never been drooled on until you'd been drooled on by Bubba. But now I got a shorty and I can't stand him. Honestly, I can't. I'm looking for a good home. Anybody up for a shorty? He's one. You can have him. I don't care about that dog. But Bubba, I loved Bubba. 
That was like my dog. When I came home, even if it was only for a 30-minute trip, when I came home, guess who was running like crazy, knocking lampstands over and jumping on me and knocking me down and licking me and drooling all over? You know who it was? It was Bubba. He could not wait to see. Anybody had a dog like that before? Couldn't wait to see you. We've all had a dog like that. And that's the idea here. So God is looking for people all throughout the earth that just can't wait to get in his presence. They're not thinking, that's not my song, and I wish we would do that. When They're so excited that the Father has given them an invitation that they'll run around and do laps just to get in his presence, and it doesn't matter what we sing. And what you got to understand about a dog is a dog will love you more than anybody else in your house. I got this from a comedian. I'm going to go ahead and share it. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, you take your dog and your spouse, lock them both up in the trunk, Come back an hour or later, open the trunk. Which one's more excited to see you? Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah. Your dog's pumped up to see you. Yeah, y'all getting it now. See, that's all God is looking for, that we're excited to be in his presence. I don't care if it's jazz, hip-hop, country, traditional, contemporary, we like, we don't like, fast, slow, who's on the stage, who's not on the stage, when I come to church, I'm here to get my praise on, I'm ready to worship my God, I'm ready to lift him up, come on, if you believe that, come on, stand to your feet, let's give God a shout of praise in the house today. Many of you can identify with what I'm about to say. If you've ever been on a long trip and returned home, maybe to an airport, and you were greeted by family and people that couldn't wait to see you, it's a pretty cool experience. But how many know it's different when you come home from a long trip and ain't nobody there? I think sometimes we come to church and we treat God like he doesn't matter. We just come and whatever. I want to encourage Bethesda Church, let's create such a place of worship that people that don't even know Jesus, when they come through those doors, they're so inspired by our worship and God's presence is so strong in this place that whatever they're carrying is immediately destroyed because the anointing of God destroys yokes and removes burdens. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes just for a minute? We're going to do a couple of things. First, I'm going to pray with those that may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to give you an opportunity. This morning, we're not going to embarrass you, not going to come back and get you and bring you to the altar, any of that. But we do want to know if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. I need his forgiveness and his grace. I want to invite him into my heart. Whether you're in this room or watching online, now is your opportunity to, to make Christ your Lord, to ask him into your heart. If that's you this morning, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me today. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. Anyone at all. I need his grace and forgiveness today. I want to invite Jesus into my heart and into my life. Anyone at all. Anyone at all. I want to ask my prayer team and staff to come forward. Because we're going to do some worship here in just a second. We're going to give God some praise this morning. But I want somebody to know that worship is a weapon. How many of you understand that, that worship can change everything? 
See, when you worship God when you're going through difficulty, it may not change the situation, but I promise it will change your perspective on it. You will exchange your perspective for God's perspective. So we're going to do one more song, and and if you need prayer, we want you to come and receive prayer. I'm not going to lay hands on people personally today just because I've been sick, but our prayer team will be glad to do that. But we also want to take these next couple of moments just to lift Jesus high. Anybody want to lift Jesus high? Amen. Let's lift him high today. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.